Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel, where you will receive the essential tools to take your faith to the next level. I am your host, Brian Ratliff, and I currently pastor Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. Here is the latest message preached from one of our services. Grab your Bible, pen, notepad, and get ready to jumpstart your faith. The year was 1999, and I was in fifth grade. (laughs) And if you know anything about 1999, it was a scary year for everybody, because Y2K was on its way. And everybody, the chatter around the world was that the world was going to come to an end in the year of 2000. And so as a fifth grader, I can't remember how old I was, 10 or 11 years old or something like that, I was scared out of my mind. And this is a true story. God is my witness. You can believe me or not believe me all you want to, but I know God knows. I walked into the computer lab in fifth grade in the library, and this was the year they bought these brand new Macs, and they had the small keyboards, and it was, you know, the, the, the weird-shaped uh, monitor with the green back, and it had the Apple there, and that's the only way I remember it was an Apple Mac. And so there I am. Scared out of my mind because everywhere I went, whether I was watching TV or whether I was going anywhere, everybody was talking about how the world's going to end in the year 2000. So I literally, God is my witness, every time I sat at that computer, I was scared out of my mind because I thought I was going to get sucked into the computer and I thought I was going to (laughs) die. You know, we hear a lot about when the world is going to come to an end. Everybody's talking about it. For the past, well, really, since Jesus ascended up into glory, everybody and their brother, sister, aunt, and uncle has been trying to set dates about the second coming. And may I just share with you that if you ever try to set a date of when Jesus is going to come, be prepared to get embarrassed because your date is going to be wrong. But with that in mind, we come to this passage. Last week, we looked at the passage about the rapture. The greatest New Testament passage about the rapture is in chapter 4. And this week, as we look at verses 1 through 11, I want to label my thoughts with these words. In fact, it's the same title as my sermon series. Prepare for Christ's return. If you walk away with anything, I want you to walk away with those four words. Prepare for Christ's return. Would you look to your neighbor and say, prepare for Christ's return? Great job. Y'all did great at that. We'll have to try it again next Sunday. (laughs) I want to share a statement with you that's going to summarize all of these verses and my sermon. Be ready all the time because Christ can come at any time. I'm sure you've heard that before. How many of you ever heard that before? Great. Would you say it with me? Be ready all the time because Christ can come at any time. Let's say it again, church. Be ready all the time because Christ can come at any time. Remember, by means of introduction, we are looking at this chapter, this book of the Bible. The Apostle Paul, in his second missionary journey, goes into Thessalonica. They start a church in Jason's house. The people in the neighborhood didn't like it, so they come, assault his house, and they run Paul and Silas out of town, and they assaulted Jason's house, and they bring him into question. They finally let him go, but the gospel was advanced in that city. A church was birthed, souls were saved, lives were changed, and we are still called to do the same thing today. And now we find the Apostle Paul is writing back to these believers in Thessalonica. They had all these questions. And one of the questions was about death, the afterlife, and the second coming of Christ. Now, I do not subscribe to know all the answers or all the questions about 
end times Bible prophecy or eschatology or the second coming of Christ. But I will say this, that these 11 verses reveal to us three ways of how we can prepare for Christ's return. So will you come with me as we move through these, these verses together? In verses 1 through 5, I wrote down this. Prepare for Christ's return by always being ready. As I read verses 6 through 8, I wrote down secondly, prepare for Christ's return by living seriously minded. And as I read verses 9 through 11, I wrote down thirdly, prepare for Christ's return by advancing the gospel. If you died right now, if you breathed your last breath, kicked the bucket and went on to glory, would you be ready to stand before God? My fear is that most people want to say yes, but in reality, most people cannot say yes. So today I want to just share with you three thoughts, those three thoughts that I just revealed about his second coming and how we can prepare adequately for it. In verses 1 through 5, I wrote down this thought. Prepare for Christ's return by always being ready. Prepare for Christ's return by always being ready. So keep in mind, he just wrote about the rapture in verses 13 through 18. And, and may I say this, as I share with last week, you know, our church believes, I believe that we, we have the right view on eschatology and the end times Bible prophecy, but Christ is coming again, and he's coming in two phases. The first phase is the rapture. We read about that in the previous verses in chapter 4. The second phase is his bodily return on the Mount of Olives, and both of that is going to occur. Whether Dr. Phil wants to admit it, where, whether Oprah Winfrey wants to acknowledge it, or whether Miss Ellen on her television shows wants to reveal it, Jesus is coming again. Because the Bible declares it to be so. But look at verses 1 through 5. In these verses, I want to share this applicable truth to all of us. Prepare for Christ's return by always being ready. Look at verse 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren. So remember, he's writing to believers, brothers and sisters. So just as you are my brothers and you are my sisters and I am preaching to you today, the Apostle Paul was writing to his brothers and his sisters in Thessalonica in northern Greece. And it says, ye have no need that I write unto you concerning the times and the seasons. Now, this does not mean summer, winter, fall, and spring. And we're going to get into these seasons in just a few moments. But in verse 2, it says, for yourselves know perfectly. And this word perfectly, all it means is completely. So he says, you guys know completely without a doubt that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Now here we have a verse revealing the imminent return of Jesus Christ, meaning we need to always be ready because he can come at any time. Our key statement was be ready all the time because Christ may come at any time. And here we see for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Now you know as well as I do when when thieves try to break in and steal they do not do it in broad daylight. Now, you're foolish enough to try to steal, but you're extremely foolish if you try to do it in broad daylight. So most of the time when they do it, they do it in the wee hours of the night when everybody's sleeping so that nobody will know they're there. They'll break into a home and they'll tiptoe, walk very quietly, grab the items, walk out. Hopefully their goal is to be undetected. And the Bible likens that just as a thief comes in the night to steal, that the second coming of Christ is going to be in similar fashion. 
So prepare for Christ returning by always being ready. But now look at verse number three. You see, our world is crying desperately for peace. Back in the 50s and 60s, we had the social justice as far as the different nationalities. And many people rose up to the scene, not just Martin Luther King Jr., but also Billy Graham and some other Christian figures did that. And they did a great job at that. And during that time period, they were calling for social justice and to where people should be treated fairly no matter what their skin color is. And that is so true. But also in that time period, there is a proclamation of peace. And in fact, in every time period, every century, every millennium that the world has ever seen, people have been crying for peace. And verse number three talks about, For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. You know, when I read this verse, I am just very grateful that I am a man. And I'll never have to go through the pain and agony of giving birth to a child. So God bless all of you ladies out there who have ever had a child or who ever will uh, give birth to a child. My heart really goes out to you. Wow, God bless you. And here, you know as well as I do that when you... Uh, receive the word from your doctor's office that you are pregnant. You know the day is going to come, Lord willing, that you're going to have some pain uh, throughout the carrying of that child and then throughout the delivery of that child. And sometimes the pain is very, very severe. And the Bible says that just as a woman is going to give birth to their child, it's going to happen. Here it says that when they're crying for peace and safety, that destruction is on its way. When we study the tribulation period, the first three and a half years, it's not going to be extremely total peace, but it just means that the nations in the world are going to have a time period of peace where they're not at war and not up each other's throats and not dropping bombs on each other, not killing people. There's going to be a time period of peace. But then in the thir three and a half years after that, there's going to be literally the wrath of God is going to be poured out. And here, that is when the destruction, I believe that this verse is talking about that, hey, they're going to be talking about peace and talking about safety and wanting it and thriving for it and thirsting for it. But then destruction's going to come. And no matter if we're seeking for peace right now before the tribulation period ever occurs, the only way you can have it is through Jesus. So get that in your noggin and don't let it go. That no matter if, if we write up a declaration of independence or our declaration of a peace treaty doesn't guarantee anything. The only guarantee of complete peace for your soul is Jesus Christ. And look at verse 4. This verse is very interesting. Because, you know, we talk about the imminent return of Christ in verse number 2. But then in verse number 4, it talks about as if, like, Christ's return is not imminent. So how do we answer this? Verse 4 says, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Does verse number 4 contradict the imminent return of Christ? No. I believe it complements the imminent return of Christ. You see, in verse number four, we observe how that the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, in the world's eyes, Jesus is going to come as a thief in the night. 
But you have heard the sermons by Christ. You have received our letters and received our messages. And you know there are signs leading up to the return of Christ. Remember in Matthew chapter 24, if you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn over there. In Matthew chapter 24, we find that in our Bible prophecy conference earlier this year that Dr. Heinsohn preached a message from it. And he talked about this. He said that if you were driving down the road and you saw road signs... And that you saw a sign that said, hey, speed limit's about to change from 55 to 45. You know it's time that you probably better put the brakes on unless you want to get a speeding ticket. Especially if you're driving through Clearbrook, Virginia. You need to slow down. Trust me, I can testify about it. Uh, but I'm not going to bore you with that today. But here we find that Jesus is saying, hey, they come to him and he say, what are going to be the signs of your coming at the end of the world? And he said, don't allow anybody to deceive you. In verse number 4 of Matthew 20, 24. And then verse 5, he says, there's going to be many people that come and say, I am Christ. And they're going to deceive a lot of people. And then he says, you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. These are all the road signs. As you're driving down the road, you know you're getting closer to Boston, Massachusetts, because the sign says, hey, you're three miles away. Hey, you're two miles away. Hey, you're one mile away. And here it says, wars and rumors of wars are on the signs of the road to his second coming. He says, all these things shall come to pass, but the end is not yet. So we see wars today. We have about warred ourselves to death, and I am not a fan of, of really any war. And it's a sign of the second coming. It means he's coming. It says, nation shall rise against nation. Well, I'd say we're pretty much there, wouldn't you? Kingdom against kingdom. Verse number 7 says, there's going to be famines. That's diseases and pestilences, famines. Like, there's going to be a dearth of food in certain regions of the world. They don't have access to it. Diseases or pestilences. There's going to be earthquakes, you know. I, I, I'll never forget the day I was visiting Brother James Payne in, in, the, in Lewis Gale Medical Center. And we had an earthquake here, and I said, Brother James, I'll pray for you, and I got to go. <laughs> when I saw that window and building start to shake, I just had to leave there. Uh, and I can't remember if I took the elevators or the stairs, but I got out as soon as I could. And it says, all these things are the beginning of sorrows. And then he goes on to say that people are going to be afflicted, and people are going to try to kill you, and all these different things. He talks about the false prophets and... And then, all these things are just signs of His coming. And in verse number 4 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, if you go back over to 1 Thessalonians, we've seen Jesus' words about His second coming. He's given those warning signs. And then Paul is saying, hey, listen, you're children of the Most High King. You have the Word of God. You've heard the messages of Christ. And we know what to expect prior to Christ's return. So it's not going to take us by surprise like it's going to the world. So I believe verse 4 complements the imminent return of Christ and does not contradict. Prepare for Christ's return because he can come at any time and always be ready. Look at verse 5. It says, ye are all the children of light. We are. We are the light of the world through what Jesus has done through us. Obviously, Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and he has chosen to use us as instruments to shine that light into the world. So do as the little kid said, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Won't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel? No. I'm going to let it shine. It's time, church, that we rise up with the lights of the gospel and we shine it into the dark world. It says the children of the day. We are children of light and day. It says we are not of the night nor of darkness. Verses 1 through 5, I wrote down this first thought. Prepare for Christ's return by always being ready. But now I want to share with you secondly. From verses 6 through 8. Prepare for Christ's return by living 
seriously minded. Prepare for Christ's return by living seriously minded. Look at verses 6, 7, and 8. So Paul's writing. He's writing about the rapture in chapter 4 and all the other things previously. Then he gets to to the second coming of Christ, how it's going to be like a thief in the night, and we're to be lights in the world. And then he says, therefore... In other words, he's connecting what has just been said with what he's about to say. So, I like to say it like this. I told you that to tell you this. And so here he says, therefore, that's all what therefore means. Therefore, let us not sleep. This means to lie down at rest. And I, I will advise you, we spend a third of our lives sleeping, so you better get a good mattress and you better get a good pillow. Uh, Because you're going to spend many years in the bed and lying at rest. But here he says, let us not lie down to rest. This is a time to get out and labor on for the cause of Christ, as do others. But let us watch and be sober. Now, sometimes in the New Testament, the word sober means seriously minded. I wrote it down in my point, seriously minded, for the sake of application. But this word, it literally means, let me share with you what it literally means. Let me pull it up here. Uh, if you don't have the Bible app uh, for the iPhone uh, pocket sword, you need to get it. Because you can check out anybody who's preaching with, with, uh, with the concordance and everything here. So if you don't have it on your iPhone... Uh, I'll talk to you after the service and I'll get it for you. But this word sober appears a couple times in the passage. And in both times of the word of God, it literally means, check it out now. This is not my words. This is what the word actually means. To abstain from wine. To keep sober. It means to be discreet, to be sober, and to be watch. So here we have a verse of the Bible that is saying, be sober. He says, do not be intoxicated with anything that is going to mess up your mind and the way you're thinking. And may I just say this, that alcohol has no uh, place in the life of the child of God. If you want your life to be wrecked and destroyed, then start drinking Mr. Bud Light and Mr. Budweiser. Although it's not going to make you any wiser, it's going to make you a whole lot stupider, if that's even a word. Uh, But nonetheless... Do not allow that to be in your life. We can't allow any drug or abusing a substance to take over our lives. And here he says, why? Well, be sober. Let's not not sleep. Let's watch and let's get out and work for the Lord. And then verse 7 says, for they that sleep, sleep in the night. And that is really when our bodies are designed to sleep. Some people, they end up working the graveyard shift and it messes up their body. It really does. It's hard on you physically because God designed our bodies to lie at rest at night and to be up and alive and at it during the day. And he says that they and they that be drunken. And so how do I know verse number six without even going into the original language? How do I know verse six when it says sober is is mean to abstaining from alcoholic beverages? Well, because the next verse says for they that it says they that be drunken are drunken in the night. And remember what Paul said. He said, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And then verse 8, but let us who are of the day be sober. Same exact word as verse number 6. Putting on the breastplate of faith and love. Faith honors God and God honors faith. So put on the breastplate of faith and love. God is love. And he's called us to share his love to those in the world. And then it says, and for an helmet, 
the helmet of salvation. You know, the church I grew up in, we had a skateboarding ministry. And God bless their souls because we would give them a time of their lives. Uh, they, they decided that they needed that we were all going to wear helmets when we were out there skateboarding. And they would come out and they would tell us to put the helmets on. And as soon as they would walk back into the church, we would take the helmet off and throw it on the ground. And as soon as they would come back out, we'd say, yeah, 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 we'll put it back on and, and we'll put it on. And, and so they would come and some of them, God bless them, they would come and they would share us these horrible stories about how somebody was out riding a bike or, or, or skateboarding and they fell and hit their head and, and caused serious brain damage. And we're sitting there listening and it goes in the right ear and straight out the left ear. You know how it is when you're young and dumb and not willing to listen. And so I remember one day I was actually wearing my helmet. And I came and I was going really fast. I was probably trying to ride as fast as I can. And I was, gonna, I was doing a jump. And I tried to jump over this uh, box that we had. And I, I landed like this. And I was going really fast. And I fell backwards and my head smacked the pavement. Thank God I was wearing a helmet that day. But here the Bible talks about a helmet. The hope of salvation. You see what protects us in this life? Is Jesus Christ. And he is the author and finisher of our faith. Prepare for Christ's return by living seriously minded. It's time, church, that we lay aside all the petty, non-essential stuff. And we think seriously and soberly and move forward with the gospel of Jesus Christ into our world. May I share with you thirdly? Prepare for Christ's return by advancing the gospel. Prepare for Christ's return by advancing the gospel. May I just say this? May I just be as bold as I know how to be and say this? That if you are not advancing the gospel, you are living in sin. If you are not advancing the gospel, you are living in sin. If you're not advancing the gospel financially, if you're not advancing the gospel through personal conversations, if you're not advancing the gospel in, any, in all the areas, then you are living in sin. God has called us to give to his work, and God has also called us to get up off the pew and into the labor of the work of God. Look at verse 9. It says, For God has not appointed us to wrath. And he has not. If you're a child of God, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. If you are saved by the grace and mercy of Almighty God, you don't have to ever be concerned about spending eternity in hell. He says, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation is only found in him, Jesus. There is no other way to get to God. Look at verse number 10. I like this verse. This is the gospel right here. Who died for us. Every time you've sinned. Every time that I've sinned. Every time we've broken the law of God. And every time we've broken our fellowship between God and us because of our sin. We are reminded of this verse. That Jesus paid it all. And all to him we owe. Sin has left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. God commended his love to us while we were yet sinners that Christ died for us. The Bible says Christ died for the ungodly. That's you and that's me. He died. This word died, it goes further than just he kicked the bucket and gave up the ghost. It means that he was brutally crucified. It means that he was, they took uh, stakes and they nailed into his wrists and to his feet. They took that crown of thorns and they pressed it into his skull. And there they made him carry that cross after being whipped and beaten 
He did it for you and he did it for me. And all he asks in return is that we take this message and we advance it into our city and into our town and into all the world. It says, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep. So whether you're alive or whether you're dead. Whether you are sleeping soundly in your bed. Or whether you are just awake, alive, alert, and enthusiastic about it. We should live together with him. You know, I've been challenged deeply by the lives of John Wesley and George Whitfield the past several months. As I've been studying their life. They lived in a time period without automobiles, without cars. And George Whitfield and John Wesley, they got on the horseback. Whether it was snowing, whether it was raining, whether it was hailing, whether it was beautiful weather and sunshine, they rode horses up and down the colonies here on the East Coast, and they advanced the gospel. And perhaps we're here today because of their ministry. How are you advancing the gospel in 2018? You know what's interesting? With technology today, you have a guy like Billy Graham who can literally preach the gospel to like 200 million people, they said, because of technology. Because of technology today, I can make a video, you can make a video, you can put it on social media, and somebody in the, you know, the Congo can hear it, as long as they have access to the internet, that is. Today, technology has opened up a world, so I, I'm just saying this, is that we use Whatever means possible to advance the gospel, whether it's radio, whether it's television, whether it's the internet, whatever it is, I believe that the preachers of yesterday would be all over social media. You'd see them so much more than all the sponsored advertisements of people trying to get you to buy stuff. They would see the gospel advance through that means. Now, I know not everybody has that, but all I'm saying is that we need to use whatever we can, as far as technology or whatever we give ourselves exposure to, to take the gospel to the lost. Whether it's going to a jail, whether it's through our bus ministry, whether it's through a nursing home ministry, whether it's, it's through door-to-door uh, -door soul winning, whether it's through going downtown and open-air street preaching, whatever the method is, let us advance the gospel as a church. And I challenge you today, church, let's keep moving forward with the gospel. Let's keep proclaiming the good news of salvation. Let's keep advancing it further and further and praying for God to give us wisdom to how to best effectively evangelize our world in 2018. And then the Bible says in verse 11, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another as even also ye do. Why does he say this? Well, he says, just like he said in verse 18 of chapter 4, comfort yourselves about the rapture, and now in chapter 5, comfort yourselves about the return of Christ. Are you prepared? Are you prepared right now to stand before Almighty God? Well, let's prepare for his return by advancing the gospel, by living seriously minded, and by always being ready. Remember, church, Christ can come at any time, so let's be ready all the time. 
Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel. As a token of my appreciation for you listening today, I would like to give you my free ebook devotional called Jumpstart Your Faith 30 Days to a Renewed Faith in Christ. Just go to www.pastorbrianratliff.com to download it. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to listen to more messages like today's. And if these messages have been helpful to you, please leave a review. If I could be of any help in your spiritual walk, please let me know by emailing me at pastorbrianratliff at yahoo.com. And one last thing, if you're in Roanoke, please consider joining us for one of our worship services at Clearbrook Baptist Church. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you and have a great week.